Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I have no idea, honestly do not have any idea when I started doing the intro to Good News Friday that way. But hey, we, this is our first Good News Friday for 2024, and boy, do we have good news for you. Good news about your health. We're going to focus the next 90 minutes on health, because uh, obviously this is the time of year when a lot of people are thinking about maybe dieting or exercising or, you know, got the gym membership for Christmas, or this is the year we're going to, you know, take care of our health. Uh, I, along with Stephanie Cover, the personal injury attorney that I've recommended forever here on The Bottom Line Show, one of the reasons why Stephanie talks about how important it is to have a personal injury attorney if you're in a personal injury wreck is the fact that, well, quite frankly, um, body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you get injured in an accident, slip and fall, dog bite, car wreck, you really owe it to the Lord to take care of your body. And so this next half hour, we're, or next 90 minutes, we're going to talk about ways that you can improve your health. A new study on cancer treatment. Uh, we're going to talk about ways that the folks at Centurion Labs are helping people improve their health as well. First, though, we're going to kick things off with an encore presentation of a study that was conducted by a woman by the name of Dr. Kaylee Saponta. If her name sounds familiar, it's because she's my daughter. I, I refer to her as Dr. KK. Uh, and uh, she did her doctoral dissertation last year on gut microbiomes and how uh, improving your digestive health can actually ward off things like Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's. Now, she has written an ebook about this that um, we want to give away today. And so our first Good News Friday giveaway is Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide. Learn science-based tricks and tips to improve your digestion and gut health. We've got not one, not two, not three, not four, but five of these eBooks to give away. And if you want to call in right now, you can do that. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Let's get into it now. Part one of my conversation with my doctor daughter, Kaylee Zapanta, talking about gut health on today's edition of The Bottom Line. Well, a special edition of The Bottom Line show today here where we're doing a conversation about something that is groundbreaking research. And it doesn't hurt at all that the groundbreaking researcher also happens to be very close to me. My daughter, Kaylee Zapanta, is with us today. Or I should say, I'm going to say this without crying down, KK. Um, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you for having me. It's fun. Now, if you're watching My Hope now, of course, you're going to see our eyes all over the place because we have the conversation going here on our Zoom chat, which is recording for My Hope Now. And then if you're listening on terrestrial radio or podcast, you're hearing the audio. So we've got all that clicked off. Um, McKaylee, as you have been listening to her father brag about her accomplishments over the many, many years that she's been studying this, uh, is a research scientist now who works here locally in Southern California. Can we give the name of the company you're working for? I know that everything's top secret over there. And Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I work for a company called Zymo Research, mm -hmm. uh, but the specific department that I'm in is called My Dog Test Diagnostics. Okay, okay. That sounds so cool. Yeah. Sounds, <laughs> we want to get into it. And you're going to find out just an interesting story about how a young girl who was kind of interested in the sciences and wasn't really sure that this was for her, um, God took her on a remarkable journey that now is going to be helping literally thousands of people who have been dealing with an issue of Parkinson's disease that we didn't really know as much about as we thought. And it is kind of fun, Kay, isn't it? I mean, to, yeah. to be in the situation where you assumed like a lot of people did that it's neurological it happens in your mind and you have an interest in the gut and also in well your website your on-air handle is dr digestion so we'll get into that in just a moment first and foremost what 
this this obviously caught me by surprise as your father, you know, when you were growing up, and that you had the interest in science when your sister and your brother were heavily into music. When did it develop for you? When did it when you started thinking I could make a career of this? Well, I think my siblings call me the black sheep of the family because <laughs> I'm not a musician. <laughs> well, I mean, I am, but yeah. I chose science. Uh -huh. um, I I think it was probably college, quite honestly, because I had every intention of being a personal trainer, as you mm -hmm. know, I majored right. in kinesiology mm -hmm. and exercise science. And I, I love training. I still do training and nutrition coaching today, to this day. Um, but I think just as I got more into how the body responds to exercise, mm -hmm. I became really fascinated with physiology and with biology and found myself in the field of microbiology when I never expected to do that. Right. I think I probably took one biology course in high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's one more than I did. Yeah. No, actually, I did take one, too. Uh, it's interesting when you think about the path that you were on. And I remember those exercise physiology days because if people look at our social media pages, that's when we were running half marathons together and yeah. we were spending a lot of time at the gym. There was definitely a, a moment though when the gym work became a lot more serious for you. And you know, I was sitting there going, wait, I'm dad and we want, we're hanging out at the gym, right? And you're <laughs> like, no dad, this is my job. And I'm like, okay, well, um, I guess I'll see you in the sauna. You well, know, it's multi-purpose. Yeah, well, well it did help. And and to, uh, to your credit, yours and Kevin's, because your husband Kevin Zapant uh, is also a, a, an outstanding trainer and been doing so for the past decade um, when I had my open heart surgery right all the work that I had done leading up to that especially deadlifts and squats when it was time to sit up and they say get up put your legs on the side of the bed go to the chair that's sitting next to you mm -hmm. and when I got up and did that and they looked at me and said no you're not supposed to actually do it we just tell you to do that because we want you to sit up Right. No one does that. And I said, well, I did a lot of squats, you know, and they had a good chuckle because my muscle memory was still there. Even though my chest was compromised and weak, my hips and glutes and whatever were right there. And that, right. That, that, that training, I began to see at that point how the work that you've been doing really does take on a whole mind, body and soul, not just I want to look good in pictures. Yeah, and that's that's really what motivated me. I started training people just because I love exercise and I really like working with people. And, you know, uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I like to talk to people. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's the type of job where you can do that. But I started to see that, of course, people want to lose weight or build muscle and kind of do the aesthetic changes and use exercise to get there. But they also have these really, or, or my former clients had these really debilitating disorders like diabetes or maybe they're experiencing menopause or heart issues. And I started to see that exercise truly is medicine. Mm -hmm. And I think your heart surgery and the recovery was a testament to that. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, you know, it, it's not just about trying to look as buff as possible or right. as, as thin as possible getting a six pack. Of course, those things are great, but I think the big benefit of exercise in particular is can you get up from a chair when you're 85 years old? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a huge impact and it's a huge indicator of longevity for yeah. sure. Yeah, so. and I know a part along the way for those who are just tuning in, my daughter, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, is with us in studio today here on the Bottom Line. Uh, she'd recently finished her PhD and defended her dissertation. In um, it was a moment that her advisor at USC described as probably the largest gallery of family and friends showing up for a doctoral dissertation defense. Yeah, we were all just curious. <laughs> People just flying in, you know, your 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 nephew coming in from Texas and sitting there doing great for a five year old, yeah, you know, yeah. listening to that kind of level. But he loves you so much, you could have been talking about anything and, and Isaac would have been right there with you yes. <laughs> um, to bridge the gap that I don't want to jump over this too quickly mm -hmm. but the fact that you uh, started an exercise physiology you felt a uh, passion for uh, education wanted to go into pursuing education at, vocationally which means you need a PhD to do that right. 
Um, but then to see the journey that God took you on from exercise fizz to what you wound up getting your, your hood and puffy hat for. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, I, I use all the scientific terms, right? Those I'm are like, the terms I used to. Uh, this that is was great. the only reason I got a PhD. Exactly, exactly. I, I thought, this is yeah. really cool. All these other guys have these mortar boards or whatever, and you got the puffy hat. Yes. So good call. Good call, sweetheart. Um, let's talk about that because I know that the digestion problems and issues that you have dealt with over the years, Mm -hmm. this is kind of a physician heal thyself type of moment, if you will, too. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of parallels. So I was actually, when I first started at USC, I was working in exercise and cancer Mm -hmm. and I, I had gotten interested in what's called clinical exercise science, which clinical just means like you work in a population that's dealing with a chronic condition like Mm -hmm. cancer or heart disease or something like that. Um, And I started working with colorectal cancer survivors and Obviously, as you can imagine, the treatment that they go through just wrecks their gut health. And I should point out here before we go too much further, this passion for colorectal goes back to my grandfather uh, in our family. We, I mean, lots of families have this, but we have a family history with this. And so right. I know that was something where it, you wanted it to be meaningful for you in terms of saying, wow, I never met my grandfather mm-hmm. because of colorectal cancer. And right. yeah. so that was one of those things I know for me, I, when you were said that's what you're going to pursue, it was an area that wasn't widely studied mm-hmm. and we had a family history with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think in particular, like the chemotherapy treatments and things like that are obviously going to affect Mm-hmm. someone who's going through colorectal cancer because it's targeting the gastrointestinal tract. So right. they experience like nausea and all these different symptoms that, uh, you know, make the, it pretty much impossible to eat. Mm-hmm. And so they lose all this muscle mass and they lose all this weight and it's really detrimental. So we mm-hmm. were implementing exercise interventions to help sort of like mitigate the muscle loss that they'd experience. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wanted to figure out like why they were experiencing other gastrointestinal symptoms. So I got really interested in the gut microbiome mm-hmm. and gut health. And I, as you know, have experienced a lot of Yes. Gastrointestinal issues from the time I was a baby. Um, and it, particularly at that time, as you know, my gastrointestinal symptoms are pretty much exacerbated by stress. So you can <laughs> imagine if I'm in grad school, <laughs> a, little a little stressful. Yeah. Uh, and so I was experiencing all of these symptoms again, like acid reflux and bloating and, you know, diarrhea, constipation. So I was kind of, it was a little self-serving. I started to look through the research because I like to find answers. That's why I became a scientist. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just started reading through and became fascinated with all the different bacteria and all the different markers that are within our gastrointestinal tract that make a huge impact on our health. Mm. Um, And I had every intention of staying in that field of study, but God had other plans for me. (laughs) He certainly did. And that's a perfect, uh, you know, kind of cliffhanger, if you will, for we're going to take a quick break here and remind our listeners, Dr. Kaylee Zaponta is with me today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about gut microbiomes, gut health, and the work that she did that, and again, it's great that she's my daughter and I love having time here in studio with her, but the fact that she did write her dissertation on something that is so groundbreaking um, that we're going to get into not only uh, Parkinson's disease and, and the research that she wound up going on that journey on, but also a resource that you can get into to kind of help with your own gut health to do a little assessing and find out, uh, you know, it's amazing how God created us in such a way that our bodies can heal themselves if we give them the, the things that they need, as opposed to the American Western medicine side, which is let's cut you up, let's zap you, let's fill you full of chemicals. And so not to disparage anybody in the medical profession, Kaylee's in it, but uh, I think you'll appreciate the book. We've got that linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Here's Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services with a reminder that your investments do more than just make money. They actually change lives. This Christmas, we gave our family the gift of life. So I thought, let's do the same for our Wilson Financial clients. A way of saying thank you for being in partnership with us in the ministry. 
what we're going to do to honor our clients is we're going to fund 100 ultrasounds per month, each month for the next 12 months through preborn. Also, each quarter, we're going to buy an ultrasound machine. And at the end of the year, those machines will be saving an average of 1,600 children per year. We do this to honor and inform our clients of this great ministry and to say thank you for being our clients and being our friends. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the special edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I mean, all the programs are special. I say that a lot. But my daughter, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, is here, and I've gotten to the point. I, I say that a lot now because the story is that family history, and it's all true. The first time I tried to uh, refer to Kaylee by her new clinical, you know, clinical scientific name, I burst into tears because I was just so happy for you and so proud of you. And I know what a long journey this has been. And God's hand has been over every step of the way. I mean, from how you got into grad school initially, how oncology, and then into Parkinson's. Can you give us maybe a 60 second overview of that before we get into the gut microbiome talk? Yeah, so I was uh, I was studying at USC. As I said, I was looking at cancer and exercise, and and uh, I got interested in, interested in gut health. And then uh, my advisor left the university, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty traumatic for a PhD student because your advisor is kind of your right hand man. Right. Um, you know, of course, it was a bittersweet moment if there was no hard feelings, but I was kind of left as an orphan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the first couple of semesters of my PhD, uh, and I found my new mentor, who ended up being my doctoral mentor who studies Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. And she was honestly one of the only people in the department who could take me on, because it's a big commitment for faculty to take on PhD students. Um, and we didn't want to work with each other because she does Parkinson's disease and I do yeah, exercise and cancer. Yeah. Like, what, how, where's the overlap? Uh, but we met anyways, and it was really serendipitous. We started talking about, um, you know, she said, if there's one area of research that you want to stick with, what would it be? And I said, gut health, because as you know, I'm pretty obsessed with it. Yes. And um, and she said, well, I don't really know how that could overlap with Parkinson's disease. But actually, my niece just sent me this article um, that's in Parkinson's disease showing that uh, gut alterations actually can exacerbate some of the symptoms that people with Parkinson's mm-hmm. disease are mm-hmm. suffering from. And she said, it doesn't make any sense to me because Parkinson's disease is a brain disorder. Right. And I said, well, it is, but the gut is actually connected to the brain. Mm-hmm. There's there's nerves and things like that that are connected to the brain. And so, um, you know, if you think about a time when you're nervous, like you, you get kind of the gurgles or you might yeah. get like nausea or stomach ache, that's that gut and brain connection. Um, and she goes, oh my gosh, like all these patients that I've worked with for decades, they always complain about constipation or bloating, but I just kind of take that as, oh, they're they're older adults and, you know, older, older no, adults always have, have problem. gut problems. Sure. Right? Um, and so pretty much in one meeting, we created and formulated my dissertation topic, um, what I ended up defending just a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Uh, and it was just such a God moment because I was you know, worried that I wasn't going to find an advisor. And then you know, I just kind of opened myself up to the new opportunity to work in neuroscience. And I'm not a neuroscientist by any stretch, but right. I kind of became one in the process. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you did in, in many ways because of the fact that you were following where God was leading you, which right. was to the gut. And I think it's very interesting. I'm talking with my daughter, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, today about her research in Parkinson's disease here on The Bottom Line. The fact that uh, that that here was Dr. Fisher telling you, I have all these patients and they have bloating and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like no one in that department ever heard of stress eating or yeah. anything of the sort, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, emotional eating mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And the fact that there is that mind-gut connection mm-hmm. there, so why not look to the gut? I mean, it just talk about hiding in plain sight, but it seems right. like your journey from Cal State Fullerton to San Francisco State 
to uh, USC to, oh, by the way, here's your PhD opportunity, but your advisor's going to Harvard. Yeah. And you're like, wait, okay, so I, I'm standing here on the precipice of whatever. And then you have to pull this Eric Little jump, you know, which uh, for anyone who haven't seen Chariots of Fire, this is a guy who was a world record holder in the 100 meter dash, finds out he can't compete on Sunday. Well, they were having the, the prelims on Sunday. And so he retrains and runs the 400 and wins the gold medal. That's in essence what you had to do. God was asking you to do, and yet he led you to this person, how someone with your background and your faith component has been able to navigate academia still blows me away. Yeah, I mean, it, blow, it blows me away too. I, I don't I don't really attribute it, any of it to me, obviously. It's it's all him guiding me. Well, you had to write the papers and do the poop yeah, samples yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. sorry. But I think, you know, I had every intention of studying something completely different when I started grad right. school and right. having a different job right now. And God kind of guided me mm -hmm. in a different direction, but it's ended up being way better than I could have ever imagined. So, and your research, I mean, this is now being published in medical journals, the research about the gut. Uh, microbiome connection to Parkinson's yeah. uh, really is changing the way leading universities are treating this in terms of occupational therapy thing. I mean, I'm not giving away trade secrets here, but it really, I mean, it's one of those things where you kind of take a step back and say, yeah, that's my daughter. But then you look back and go, wow, this research, no one ever thought of this before. You know, yeah. it, it really, it, I mean, I'll brag on you Proverbs 28 here, but um, this really is something that was a new revelation and does have the potential. Talk to somebody who is listening to us right now and says, oh, my dad has Parkinson's or my grandma or this, that, and the other thing. And we, they gave us medication. Mm -hmm. You know, they, did, they didn't even think about exercise and diet. Talk, talk about that connection. Yeah, well, I'll say a little caveat first. Obviously, you know, it, Parkinson's disease is occurring in the brain. It occurs mm -hmm. in the midbrain and it affects regions of the brain that affect motor function, which is why you see people with PD right. have tremors or difficulty walking and things like that. And so I think a lot of the focus, rightfully so, was these neuroscientists because the brain is very complex. Yeah, let's go there. They spent decades, you know, kind of looking at seeing what's actually going on and what's causing this. But I think a lot of times when you zoom in on a, a project, which you have to do as a researcher, you have to zoom in on a specific research question, you kind of forget to zoom back out and remember that mm. the body is connected. Yep. So like one of the, the causes of Parkinson's is neuroinflammation, so just inflammation of the brain. Um, and the question that we've been having for decades is, where is that coming from? And we've only been looking at the brain. I say we as scientists, mm -hmm. but you have to remember that your blood flows throughout your entire body. So mm -hmm. if there's inflammation in your brain, it's probably coming from somewhere outside of the brain. Right. Um, and of course, there's protective mechanisms to prevent things from getting into the brain that aren't supposed to be there. But in Parkinson's disease, those protective mechanism mechanisms are like stunted for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of those peripheral systems is the gut. And... I think that, um, you know, it's it's really just in the last like 10 years that people have been considering this. So the traditional treatments are medication, physical therapy, um, you know, maybe some holistic dietary interventions, dietary or lifestyle. Acupuncture or something like, like that, that maybe, or does that help at all? What does? Acupuncture. Yeah, acupuncture. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I would say that there's, there's less studied on that just because the funding usually isn't there for those types of treatments. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think you know, people with PD will probably try anything. <laughs> it sure. definitely doesn't sure. hurt. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think now there's there's much more consideration for it. And it's interesting when I worked with people who had PD for my dissertation, 95% of them had constipation and these, mm. these really bad debilitating gut-related issues and their mm -hmm. doctors, quite frankly, just didn't really have the time to treat it. <laughs> they were mm -hmm. like, you know, we're focusing on the brain and that's all we're going to focus on. But it's actually been shown that if you have constipation for up to 20 years, 
it increases your risk of developing Parkinson's disease anywhere between two and fivefold. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, it's like, well, we really need to be focusing on how can we improve your gut, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if you have Parkinson's disease, how do we improve your gut in conjunction with brain function? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, but you have gut issues, like how can we improve your gut so that you don't develop these neurologic issues? So when we think about it, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. She's my daughter, um, the, and we are the middle children in our respective families, yes. so we have that in common. Um, <laughs> And we like to talk. Yes. And so I have that in common as well. Uh, we're talking about the research that she did for her PhD and her uh, successfully defended dissertation at the University of Southern California with regard to Parkinson's disease and gut microbiomes, which now she gets to go to a lab every day. As a matter of fact, she's on her way out the door here, uh, which we're recording this morning, and to go play with this type of stuff. And just have, I can see it just, you know, I, your grandfather said this to me the first time he saw me in a radio studio. He said, boy, this really lights you up. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, and he kind of had to, make peace with that. Well, I, there's no shame in saying I'm glad that you found a research position and a postdoctoral fellowship that, that really lights you up too. Yes. But when I think about what we're discussing here and the people who are either dealing with Parkinson's disease and have that you know issue to deal with, or people who might be saying, I wonder if it's not hereditary necessarily, is it? Or is it in the DNA? You know, it's kind of like every other disease that's been discovered cancer and Alzheimer's, there's a genetic component and mm-hmm. there's people who will get it. Typically they'll they'll develop Parkinson's disease earlier in life if it is genetic, mm-hmm. uh, but the majority of people that develop PD, they're finding that it's for lifestyle. Um, it's obviously multifactorial. There's lots of reasons why you would get it, but um, it has more to do with your lifestyle than, in my mind, more to do with your lifestyle than it does genetics. Because I was reading something and I don't remember if it was a reprint from Nature or all these journals now that I can just drop names. I don't read them, but I mean, when you have a scientist daughter, you hear about this stuff. Uh, where they were talking about the new aggressive forms of dementia, for example, and they mm-hmm. said that's basically type three diabetes. Yeah. I mean, is it, uh, t- t- so the, the the diet, the exercise, the the lifestyle choices that we make can really play a big role in this. Yeah, and I, and I found that in my research, and the gut brain axis is what it's called. When I was looking at that in connection in Parkinson's disease, I kind of was able to come full circle and find that people with Parkinson's disease benefit greatly from exercise. Mm. So I was working actually in a physical therapy department at USC that has many neurologic specialists and has, you know, a lot of these people have clinics dedicated to Mm -hmm. helping people with Parkinson's Mm -hmm. disease, doing exercises like dance and boxing and weightlifting and all of those things really help their motor function. Um, But exercise has also been shown to improve gut health as well and, and diet of course what you eat impacts your your gut health as well so yeah you have written about this obviously extensively because of the phd you know uh, research that we were comparing notes i think you had 300 footnotes plus in your uh, dissertation yeah there was quite a few I, I went back and only i only had 75 citations when i wrote the internet book so you win that one hands down um but as your grandfather jokingly said when he read my book, he goes, well, at least people will actually read yours. Yeah. And uh, compared to his, which we have on the shelf, and you and I get a kick out of reading his yeah. uh, doctoral dissertation. Um, we want to take a break, and when we come back, I know you have an e-book, and you have a resource that we're going to make available to bottom line listeners. And I'd like for you, love for you to walk through that and yeah. talk about the things you're doing online and helping people out there as well. Dr. Kaylee Zapanta is my guest. We're talking about gut health and Parkinson's disease and uh, how you can improve the Parkinson's condition or you can prevent it from happening in the first place with diet and exercise hacks, as they say online. More in just a moment as the bottom line continues. 
Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. First Good News Friday for 2024. I'm Roger Marsh. My guest for this 45-minute uh, uh, segment, actually, it turned out to be a long thing because when my daughter Kaylee and I get together, we can talk. Uh, there's no question about it. Of the three of uh, my biological children, she is the most chatterboxy, though her brother's a close second. Oldest sister, Emily, is a little more stoic and uh, a little more reserved when it comes to the words that she speaks. But when you get her revved up, she can go too, and they inherit that motor mouth from their dad. Uh, Kaylee recently graduated from the University of Southern California with a PhD in biokinesiology, and her area of expertise was gut microbiome and microbiodata, uh, micro, excuse me, microbiota, or biota. Uh, and topics that uh, help you take ownership of gut health. And one thing that has been hiding in plain sight in this industry is the fact that a lot of people have looked at, say, Parkinson's disease, which is what Kaylee did her doctoral dissertation on, and have treated it as more in the mental, uh, the neurological, you know, kind of coming from the brain and throughout the, 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 the different muscles and, and uh, nerve endings. Kaylee did research that started focusing on gut health and found that there are some more effective treatments for Parkinson's if you'll focus more on gut health than just trying to come up with the right medications or whatever. She's written an ebook that's a lot of uh, the culmination of what she uh, put into practice and what she studied at USC. Uh, the book is called Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide. Learn science-based tricks and tips to improve your digestion and gut health. There's a link for this up at thebottomlineshow.com. And if you were to purchase this ebook, it would set you back about 40 bucks. But because I have connections to the author, <laughs> she's very generous with this. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five digital downloads available here at The Bottom Line Show. Give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we will give five fortunate, I hate using the word lucky, uh, but five bottom line show listeners are going to win a digital download of this ebook. It's We'll send you a link, basically. It's kind of a private little code. When you go to the website, drdigestionphd.com, um, then you, you find out where the shop part is in the uh, in the bookstore there. And then you can just type in the code that we give you and you'll get the download for free. Uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of my conversation with Dr. Kaylee Zapanta coming up next as the bottom line continues. Stephanie Kovar understands that personal injury help is a uniquely Christian concept. Christians sometimes balk at using a personal injury attorney after an accident, but Paul said that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you've been injured, it's important that the responsible party makes your temple well again. And the idea of restitution for lost wages and medical care comes from Exodus 21 and 22, where God outlines the concept of consequences and restitution. That biblical concept says that a person liable for injuring another must replace what is lost as a matter of justice. Sometimes being made whole means being compensated, and Stephanie Cover will fight for your wholeness because it is the Christian thing to do. And she is refreshingly honest. So if she feels like she's not the right attorney or that there is no case, she'll be upfront with you about it. If you've been in an accident, find out at no cost if Stephanie can help you by going to kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R. 
Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, or I should say, welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. If you're listening on KCBC, you just finished up hearing our first Friday episode of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk for the New Year. And uh, of course, we're still uh, running through some of the best of programming of the year and i'm privileged to be the entering my eighth year of working with dr dobson's ministry on family talk so kcbc gets family talk dr dobson and yours truly from 3 to 3 30 and then starting at 3 30 to 4 the live version of the bottom line show of course if you're listening on the full network you've been listening to the first half hour of the program we've got a full 90 minutes of bottom line show each and every weekday for you and you can hear it again at the bottom or at our flagship affiliate kbrightradio.com etc etc Good news Friday today. The good news is we got lots of giveaways to share with you and lots of the focus is on health and wellness wellness to start off this first good news Friday of the year. My guest right now is uh, we're revisiting a conversation I had uh, late last year with my daughter Kaylee Zapanta. Dr. Kaylee Rebecca Marsh Zapanta is a recent PhD graduate from the University of Southern California studied biokinesiology for basically half her life and uh, she and her husband Kevin are that's their field of industry. And as she was doing her graduate work, she was studying oncology and then her advisor left, was helping her with the oncology. And so then she moved into uh, the area of Parkinson's disease and discovered all sorts of microbiota that help you determine if your gut health is good, you have a better chance of reducing the risk of Parkinson's disease. And she's written an ebook called Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide, Learn science-based tricks and tips to improve your digestion and gut health. We are giving away not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of this ebook today. And we'd love to uh, send one of those links to you. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now let's continue with the conclusion of my conversation with Dr. Digestion herself, my daughter, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, right here on today's First Good News Friday edition of the program for 2024. Let's get into it. Welcome back to a special edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I'm looking everywhere. We've got cameras all over the studio today here for myhopenow.com. And if you see the young woman who's on the other side of the screen at My Hope Now, that's uh, my daughter, Kaylee Zapanta. Dr. Kaylee Zapanta recently earned her PhD in uh, exercise physiology, or what was your, okay, is that the, the, the simplest way to say it? Yeah. Um, on a journey that had her studying oncology and then eventually doing Parkinson's research. It's pretty groundbreaking stuff. And um, if you weren't my daughter, I'd still say it's pretty groundbreaking stuff. So, I mean, it just gives me a ton, tons of pride to say that. Um, we've got a link up at thebottomlineshow.com. Kaylee's written an ebook. Well, she's written her whole doctoral dissertation, which I would be a lot for any of us to read. You know, there's... I, I wouldn't expect anybody to. No, I've, I've, I've read a lot of your pre-draft and everything that you've, you've been gracious enough to send because we're kind of nerdy like that. We like to read that stuff. Right. But talk about what you're writing down, because you've got a website, you've got an online presence, you're doing coaching, you're doing training, in addition to the research you're doing. And I was talking with you about coming on the program and discussing this, and you said, oh, I have an ebook," And I went, mm, okay, well, I'm, I'm all ears, so tell me tell me all about it. Yeah, well, I, I just wrote the ebook mostly because I, when I was working with the Parkinson's disease patients, and even just like talking with my nutrition clients and my personal training clients, um, one of the biggest questions I get asked, especially because I've coined the term, I'm Dr. Digestion. So people are like, oh, you're the gut person. Yeah. Um, the number one question I get asked is, how do I improve my gut health? Yeah. And that's such a loaded question, to be honest, because there's so much that we don't know about the gut. Right. And of course, you know, you can say, well, I'm, I'm assuming that what I eat impacts my gut, or I'm assuming that, you know, these 
kind of obvious things impact my gut, but there's a lot of things, factors that impact gut health that are not really well known. And it's the only really way to know it is to read through all of these really dense research articles, which nobody wants to read probably except for me. Yeah. So, and Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> so I basically read all those articles mm-hmm. uh, and I created an ebook that um, essentially just kind of goes through what the gut microbiome is, what um, you know, we have a microbiome in all of our different organ systems. So in, you know, our small intestines, our large intestines, our stomach, our skin, like we have bacteria all over the place and they're really important. So I kind of go over like just bird's eye view what each of those organ systems does. And then I talk about uh, 10 or 12 ways that you can kind of look at your life and say, you know, are there different aspects of my life that might be impacting my gut health negatively or positively? So an example of that would be nutrition. What am I eating? Uh, movement impacts gut like we talked about before, mm-hmm. uh, but also like stress and sleep and age and things like that. So I kind of go over like all the different factors that could be potentially contributing to your gut health. And then at the end of the ebook, I kind of um, give you a tool to sort of, I guess, get to know your digestion better because mm-hmm. we all are so different that, you know, I'm not one person. I'm not the type of person that's going to say that there's one thing that you should eliminate from your diet or right. add to your diet that's going to improve your gut. Um, but I think it's different for everybody. Like some of us can have gluten and dairy and other, others of us can't. Uh, and so I kind of go into like how to assess your particular gut health needs based off of symptoms that you might be experiencing and how you can kind of just get to know yourself a little bit better mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, what you're eating and your lifestyle so that you can improve your gut health. When you were talking about the, uh, the dairy, just for a moment, bottom line listeners need to know that uh, one of the Marsh family food groups and one of our primary love languages is ice cream. Yes. And so uh, that goes back to my mother and the fact that we used to spend 4th of July making homemade ice cream, so we really love it. And one year when Kaylee was in middle school, we gave up ice cream for Lent because we used to make milkshakes every night. That was the worst idea ever. (laughs) It really was because not only did we have to give it up for 40 days, but then on Easter Sunday, I made us both milkshakes and we both got sick. Yes. Because our guts were like, we were like, oh, this is so great. But the idea, though, not one size fits all, I yes. think is huge because there are, let's face it, you know people who will do the exact same diet program mm-hmm. and one of them loses 20 pounds and the other one stays the same. Yep. And and you have to, you know, tailor it based on so many different factors, mitigating things like, uh, you know, your workload, your mm-hmm. family history, uh, when you go through the loss of a parent or a spouse mm-hmm. or, you know, a loved one. I mean, there's so many things that factor into it. And so you've taken all of that into consideration in this ebook, and I yes. think that's why... I think it's so uh, very valuable. We're going to have links available to the ebook for Bottom Line Show listeners. And I have, still have to talk to the author and find out how many we're going to be able to give away. But there is a cost. If you go to, where's your website? How do we find you? So it's just drdigestionphd.com. Okay. Now you go to that website and you'll see Kaylee's picture. You'll find this interview eventually and where we're kind of recapitulating everything. But then that's where you can purchase the ebook. And um, we're obviously encouraging people to buy it, but we are going to be giving it away to bottom line listeners today too, uh, because your health is too important. You know, and, and, and you have to know that there is at least one scientist in your corner who has a faith component. It's like every time I talk to Stephanie Cover, I'm I just blown away with her knowledge of personal injury law, how she keeps up on it. And yet the fact that her husband, in addition to being a contract lawyer, is also um, an ordained minister. And they have oh, wow. worship services and healing services in their home. You know, I mean, that's just so okay. to have both of those going, you and Kevin have that type of uh, uh, situation as well when it comes to science. Um where, what are the next steps? You get to play scientist every day now. I mean, you're actually, you know, it, it's a big person job for you. I'm, I'm so happy and thrilled and proud of you. What are you studying? And uh, when next time you're back on, what are we going to be talking about? So now I'm actually, I kind of switched gears a little bit. I'm still <laughs> working in the microbiome, but I'm looking at animals. Mm, okay. So the company I work for uh, does animal diagnostic testing. 
uh, on dogs and cats and exotic animals like elephants and bearded dragons. And How fun. Like that. Yeah, it's really Does your cool. brother know about the bearded dragon part? I, I'll, I'll have to tell him because <laughs> I actually just wrote up a, a proposal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to get more into the microbiome because it's so complex and, mm-hmm. and I know a lot, but I don't know nearly enough sure. to, you know, call myself an expert. Wait, you mean the science isn't settled on this? Yeah, it's never it's... settled. <laughs> <laughs> we had many good conversations during the pandemic about the fact that anytime somebody said the science is settled, they don't really don't understand the nature of science. Yeah, that's and... my least favorite phrase. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, but again, as a scientist of faith, mm-hmm. to talk about how, as we wrap things up here, how your faith informs what you're looking for and how amazing is God to you now compared to where he was when you started on this journey. I don't understand how anyone can be a scientist, especially studying the human body, and not believe in God Mm. and not believe in a creator. Because every time I learn about an organ system that just works and you don't have to think about it, like our digestive system just does what it's supposed to do and we don't really have to... Even with all the crazy process stuff we put into our bodies, we're still alive. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and our bodies are made to be resilient and withstand a lot of things that, you know, we impose upon it, like stress and sugar and alcohol and all these things. Um, So, yeah, I think that, like, the more I... The deeper I get into science, the the stronger my faith grows, Mm -hmm. which I'm really blessed about because I know that that's not always the case. Well, I I want to toast you here uh, to conclude our conversation here. I brought kombucha. That's very appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Since we're talking gut health, this is for you, sweetheart. And uh, um, unless you want the other one, I've got a ginger sunrise one, too. Oh, this one's great. Kaylee introduced me to the wonderful world of kombucha. And the first thing I asked my nutritionist at uh, my insurance company once I finished my heart procedure. I had to, I couldn't have kombucha for 30 days. And the first question I asked was, when can I start drinking kombucha again? It's a, a probiotic. And, um, and she asked me, she said, how do you spell that? And the woman I spoke with, who apparently was a nutritionist, had never heard of kombucha. Oh and I said, well, I'm just going to start. And if something happens, one of my legs falls off or whatever, I'll stop. But uh, uh, your gut health is very important. And the fact that uh, modern science is just now embracing this and the case kind of riding the crest of this wave, um, God put you there for a reason. And uh, we've said that all along through your educational journey. And now for the first time in 28 years, you're not going to school every day, which is uh, probably kind of a trip, isn't it? But it's nice to just have a nine to five. Yeah, that's cool. Not be so stressed. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you and for Kevin and the way God's leading your lives, but for you in particular, Kay Bear, uh, I love you and I'm proud of you. And thank you for the work you're doing and for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Thanks for having me. I love you too, Dad. And that's how we concluded our conversation. Dr. Kayla, Kaylee Zapanta, I should say Dr. Kaylee Marsh Zapanta, uh, my daughter who uh, recently graduated with her PhD from the University of Southern California, is now doing a postdoctoral study at a lab right here in uh, Orange County and studying gut uh, microbiota topics and and how what you, what you eat and gut health, how it can determine whether or not uh, you will be susceptible to Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, um, you know, fatty livers, all sorts of things. It's amazing how when you study your gut, um, don't trust your gut, but study your gut, uh, you wind up having better health. She's written an ebook called Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide. And of course, we it, it, it is somewhat redundant. I used to get mad at Bill Cosby when he would put this up on his show. It would say, Dr. William H. Cosby, EDD. And I go, wait, well, you said Dr. Cosby, doctor. Why would you do this? Well, in Kaylee's case, because she's a PhD and more of a researcher and a, an instructor, she does not have a medical doctor degree. She has a doctor of philosophy so she studies research and uh counts things and basically someone who 
whose least favorite classes in high uh, in high school were uh, physical sciences and statistics courses. That's her livelihood now. But um, we have this ebook, Doctor Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide. Learn science-based tricks and tips to improve your digestion and gut health. The good news is uh, here on this Good News Friday, the first one for 2024. If you are looking to improve your health, then this ebook is for you. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five of these digital ebooks that we're giving away today here on the bottom line. That, by the way, it carries a $40 retail value, so it's a pretty substantial uh, resource. I think you'll like it a lot. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line on the other side of this break fascinating new study reported in the epic times and it's you know when you hear the words you have cancer a lot of times the first thing you think of is oh my goodness i'm going to have to have surgery i'm going to have to have radiation i'm going to have to have chemotherapy i mean that's just that's what we do and even the word cancer could be rather daunting but new research actually is indicating that the typical or traditional what we've thought of as cancer treatment uh, can actually undermine your health the cancer can but the cancer treatment sometimes can be worse there's a new <laughs> research study out that indicates that um, a lot of people are opting to take a different course of action when they hear that cancer diagnosis. They're doing nothing and they're actually seeing better results. I'll talk about why that's important coming up next as the bottom line continues. I can't say enough about Preborn and I'm gonna keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically what they stand for is the truth, the truth and the science, the truth and the science and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say either you're gonna be a parent that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion, the third option is adoption, and Preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one time donation to Preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner. My thanks again to Dr. Kaylee Marsh Zapanta, uh, my daughter KK, I call her Dr. Daughter. Uh, who is the author of this fantastic ebook? It's very, very helpful. Uh, it's called Dr. Digestion PhD. That's her website, drdigestionphd.com. The ebook is called Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide Learn Science Based Tricks and Tips to Improve Your Digestion and Gut Health. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. If you would like to purchase it, I'm sure Kaylee would really appreciate that. But she has given us not one, not two, not three, not four, but five digital downloads of this book. So your chances of winning one today are outstanding. Give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, this is Good News Friday, and we're talking about being a good steward with your health. I know Stephanie Cover and I have this conversation all the time here. By the way, if you don't have, she's the personal injury attorney that I recommend here at the Bottom Line Show. Um, 877-214-4935 is the number to reach her or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law and you can sign up, get registered, have your name in her database. So if an, en- an accident does happen, you can give her a call and she's right there with it. Uh, we talk about the fact that one of the issues of personal injury law is that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and if that body is damaged and you can't work and you're not in good physical health, you really have an obligation to God to take care of what he's given you. And a lot of people say, oh, no, I'm fine. God will heal me. And I, say, and I understand that God is a God who heals, and I don't take anything away from those who pray for that healing, laying out of hands, anointing of oil. I'm all for it. But when God gives us people like Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, who have studied this time, I mean, she's literally, I can attest to you, she's in her early 30s. She spent half her life studying gut microbiota and uh, how diet and exercise impact the lives of people who have been impacted by Parkinson's or Alzheimer's then uh, trust me, you know, it, it's really something that we should be pursuing. So call in and get her ebook. If we've still got, uh, Crystal's taking the number, the number is five, fly fast and furious. I don't know how many of these digital downloads we have left. But I came across a story in the Epic Times that reminded me of something that Kaylee and I used to talk about when she first started grad school. She knew she wanted to go. She wanted a PhD. She thought she wanted to be a college professor. That dream is kind of on hold right now while she's still doing postdoctoral research and getting ready to have a child, you know, that type of thing. Growing a human can be a full-time job. But she was studying oncology before that, the study of, you know, fighting cancer. And that's a very uh, big issue in my family, so Kaylee's family of origin. Uh, My maternal grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, I never met. He uh, was stricken with colon cancer, which spread to his stomach and lungs. Ironically, he was a smoker for most of his life. But it was the colon cancer that got into everything. He had a col- uh, colostomy bag when he was in the late 50s. Uh, he was right around 56 years of age when he passed away, 57. And uh, it was interesting because when I was going through my heart issues, I was the same age he was. And I thought, boy, Lord, are you going to take us out on about the same, same number of trips around the sun? Um, so far, he has not done that. But the thing about cancer that, you know, when you hear that term, someone says there was a diagnosis, somebody has breast cancer or prostate cancer or something like that. The first thing you think of is terror, right? Oh my gosh, we have to do something. A uh, dear friend of mine, a uh, longtime friend, uh, his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and she immediately went into lumpectomy and radiation and chemo mode. And someone asked him, how far along is she? And he said, well, it's stage one. And I thought, wow, you know, I've, I've read a lot of studies about how stage one cancer, whether it's breast or prostate, uh, oftentimes stage one down means let's kind of wait and see what happens here. Uh, one of the things Kaylee was studying in her master's work before she got into her doctoral studies was the impact of diet and exercise on people who were diagnosed with a cancer diagnosis. They would have identify a tumor, say it's breast cancer or prostate cancer, go in and do surgery, remove the mass let you heal it from that. But then instead of jumping right into radiation and chemo, they basically would send you to the gym three times a week and change your diet. And they were seeing tremendous impact on the number of people who were finding better success in recovering from cancer just by simply doing a surgical removal of the cancerous area and then diet and exercise. Uh, 
Well, now there's a new study that has been released recently, and it kind of, uh, well, it, uh, it basically, uh, the American Cancer Society uh, is, is saying, okay, there are more and more people who are getting into something where you don't just watch and wait. They call it active surveillance or watchful waiting. And the number of people who are engaging in this active surveillance has grown dramatically. Uh, over the past nine, almost 10 years, the number of people who are using active surveillance rather than the typical uh, oncological urological practices has doubled. In 2014, the number of men, for example, who were uh, using active surveillance. Okay, we've diagnosed the tumor. It's in the prostate. Let's watch and see what happens. The number of men who used active surveillance for prostate cancer was about one in four. It was 26.5%. That was in 2014. By 2021, that number was up to 60%. And it's interesting to see how effective this active surveillance is. Going back to a 2012 study that was published by the New England Journal of Medicine, kind of one of the gold standards of uh, medical uh, reporting, uh, there was no significant survival difference between uh, men with early stage prostate cancer who underwent surgery and those who opted for watchful waiting. And what they did was they did this, 12, this 2012 study and that had been following a 12-year period of men who had early stage prostate cancer. According to the authors, absolute difference in mortality rate between the study groups was less than three percentage points. And that's usually the plus or minus in a poll. They added that the subgroup of men with the higher prostate-specific antigen, PSA values, or higher risk tumors may have benefited from the surgery. But a lot of people, where they find out that uh, 97% of men with localized prostate cancer actually survive 15 years regardless of the treatment. So now you have to ask the question, why has the American Cancer Society and the CDC and the NIH said, okay, diagnosis of cancer, automatically radiation and chemo? We'll take a look at that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this first Good News Friday of the 2024 calendar year. My name is Roger Marsh, and we are doing a Good News Friday story on a theme this time. Um, was reading about the passing of the legendary Los Angeles area uh, classic rock DJ Jim Ladd, which happened before Christmas. And that was the thing people kept going back to, was Jim made these sets of music that had themes about them. Every now and again, here on The Bottom Line Show, we do something similar. It's This is good news about your health. Uh, Kaylee Zapanta, my daughter, uh, doctor daughter, uh, who has written a book on gut health, um, we're giving away that ebook today here at The Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278. We have five copies that we're giving away today. Uh, good news Friday is that more and more people are beginning to realize that when you get a cancer diagnosis, uh, what they call active surveillance, in other words, let's keep an eye on it, is turning out to be about the same. I mentioned that uh, a recent study that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine indicated that 97% of men with localized prostate cancer are surviving for at least 15 years, regardless of which kind of treatment they get. However, what's interesting, uh, the side effects that impact urinary and sexual function for those opting for treatment might persist for over a decade. So in other words, if you have prostate cancer, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a death sentence anymore. And it doesn't necessarily mean a trip to the, uh, the uh, surgical facility to have the surgery done. It was about five, six years ago, the American Cancer Society revealed that there had been an overdiagnosis of breast cancer. 
that 40% of women who are diagnosed with stage one or higher breast cancer were getting treatment for that cancer unnecessarily. So the good news is, brothers and sisters, if you've been feeling a little funky about maybe a cancer diagnosis when you think, oh my gosh, if they diagnose, diagnose as cancer, that could mean trouble for me. I mean, in serious note, a very dear friend of mine about a little over a decade ago, Andrea uh, Popkus, who became Andrea Parker when she got married, uh, we finished up working together at Homeward. The Homeward Ministry went through a big reorganization. She got a student visa and traveled to Australia, spent a year in Australia, uh, was chasing after some guy. That didn't work out. But while she was there, she discovered a lump. She spent the next six months in Australia and didn't do anything about the lump. By the time she got back, it was stage four metastatic breast cancer. And uh, Andrea lived for, gosh, she, she lived for about another decade using experimental drugs and treatment, this, that, the other thing. She eventually went home to be with the Lord in 2018. But I have to wonder that when you get the diagnosis, active surveillance means you're going to pay attention to what's going on. But if for some reason that surveillance indicates that the cancer is getting worse, then by all means, get the surgery. If radiation and chemo will help, please do. But when you see this American Medical Association study that indicated a couple of years ago that 40% of women who are diagnosed with breast cancer were getting radiation and chemo unnecessarily. And now this active surveillance study from the New England Journal of Medicine saying that if you're a guy and you're diagnosed with prostate cancer, 97% of the men who are diagnosed, whether they had surgery or not, whether they had radiation and chemo or not, they all had an average life expectancy of about 15 years after the diagnosis. So the moral of the story is, can diet and exercise actually help? In this case, it looks like, yes, it can. But is surgery and radiation and chemo the answer? Well, that scorched earth mentality we're finally moving away from. I think that is good news. And that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day and weekend. Rabbi Schneider awaits you with uh, Discovering the Jewish Jesus. As we continue, though, for those who remain on the network, Troy Duell is going to join me. And we're going to have a conversation about uh, your health and basically managing ADHD naturally, the power of faith and uh, the simple lifestyle changes for improved focus and well-being. We're going to get into that coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the things I appreciate, and I know you do too, about preborn is the fact that they tell you the truth about where you are in pregnancy. You know, it, 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 it's amazing how the National Institute of Health and the CDC wants to classify pregnancy as a quote-unquote illness, so then they can prescribe quote-unquote treatment medication in the form of an abortion pill to end the abortion. Well, that's crazy. We know, you know and I know, that God creates each of us in the womb of our mothers, and he creates each of us uniquely for a purpose. And 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics and they don't hear the, the propaganda from the abortion industry that says you, your two choices are either abortion or misery, that there are three options. And the third one involves basically choosing life for the child and releasing that child for adoption. I want to thank a couple of people for their very generous donations to Preborn. Dean in National City made a $1,400 donation. Dave in Lake Forest, a $500 donation. Uh, and also Edward in Norfolk, Nebraska, who listens online with a 48 monthly dollar donation. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the preborn banner and make your best donation today. It's completely tax deductible. 100% of your donation goes to ultrasound technology, and we're saving lives and saving babies through preborn. Click on kbrightradio.com, hit the preborn banner today. 
You've heard these four letters used in sequence for many, many years, but there's a good chance that you probably don't know what exactly they mean. The four letters are A, D, H, D. Now, if you've ever heard ADHD before used in sequence like that, you know, you've heard that diagnosis for kids. And now sometimes you're you're talking about adults and things of that nature. What do we do about it? What's a good response to it, especially uh, a natural response as opposed to, uh, you know, taking some kind of strange therapy or some kind of hypnosis or something like that that would help out. Troy Duell is the founder of Centurion Labs, centurionlabs.com and advocates more of a uh, a holistic, natural approach to managing ADHD. And it includes faith and some simple lifestyle changes for improved focus and well-being as well. And Troy's with me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about it. Troy Duell, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Thanks, Roger. Excited to be here. Okay, ADHD stands for, let's get this straight right off the bat. What exactly does ADHD stand for? Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Okay. And it has gone through so many iterations over the years. So it used to be ADHD, ADHD, uh, or ADD mm-hmm. plus hyperactivity, but they've come to a consensus of just ADHD now. Well, I've heard so many different iterations of it. Thank you for setting the record straight and for no other reason, because that gives us a, a foundation. Okay. So why is it that it seems like so many more people in culture today have it, whether it be children or even a lot more adults are saying, wow, I didn't know I had ADHD. What do you, what do you suspect is the root of this? You know, that's a great question. And it's, it's interesting because ADHD, or as we know it now, was first discovered, they feel like, back in the early 1900s, about 1902. Hmm. And they came out with the first medication for it in the 1930s. And then for the next, I don't know, until the 80s, uh, hmm. you really didn't have a lot of products come out. The last one that came out until about 85 was Ritalin SR, and you had six products on the market. Then in 1996, over the next 10 years, we had a flood of 15 to 16 products come on the market. Mm. So obviously there was this huge influx of products on the market that then you became uh, more knowledgeable about it. Doctors were educated about it more often because they had somebody knocking on their door telling them all about it. So I think you have some of that piece where it was driven by the pharmaceutical companies and driven to really get everybody talking about it and thinking about it. And then really in the last three years, what we saw over COVID was some pretty amazing numbers. There was a 26.5% increase in the number of prescriptions for ADHD meds during that time. And I think a lot of that, a lot of that is due to what most of us would think, which is people started working at home or they were Mm -hmm. doing school at home and they had so many more distractions. There was no more structure around them. So Mm -hmm. you have these times where before when you were going to an office and you were told to get there uh, you know what time you had to get there you had some structure in your day well all that went away during COVID because we were all working from our houses or uh, working remote so you now have all these distractions with kids running around or Mm -hmm. uh, neighbors coming over and you have this huge huge increase in the number of people who are diagnosed because they just didn't know how to deal with no structure again in their lives. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'm talking with Troy Duell today here on The Bottom Line, the founder of Centurion Labs. We're talking about ADHD and the idea that 
Oftentimes, we, 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 if we think about this from a childhood perspective, my mom taught first grade for 30 years. I've got a couple of kids who are teachers who teach kids primarily in uh, elementary and middle school ages. And you see a lot of this, you know, where people you know, are saying my son has hyperactivity or, you know, this, that and the other thing. And, and the thought is, well, they've just got some kind of neuromuscular or whatever it is that just kind of makes them this way. But it's interesting, Troy, as you mentioned, the fact that the absence of structure leads to this type of, uh, you know, fascination with, you know, whatever is going on. As you have seen this, how did Centurion Labs get started? I mean, because you have a number of products that you talk about that are actually designed to help kind of restore balance and from a faith-based perspective. Yeah, so I, I think for us, we, we recognize that there are things out there that God has designed and, and put out uh, that will help people from a more natural standpoint. And we wanted to, to really focus on products and ingredients that have plenty of studies behind them that would suggest that these may be able to help no matter what scenario you're in. So if in this case we're talking about ADHD, we know that there's a lot that goes into play with B vitamins. We know that Mm -hmm. saffron is another ingredient out of India that they did a head-to-head study with methylphenidate, which is the number one prescribed ADHD medication that's a class 2 uh, narcotic, that it actually performed better or as well as methylphenidate when hmm. you took 30 milligrams a day. So there, mm-hmm. there are a lot of studies out there, but what we've done in our culture, I think, is is we've become so accustomed to uh, just kind of giving the ownership of our health away to the medical community instead of taking ownership of it and really doing some research and study and find those ingredients that will help us. And, you know, I think if anything, from 2020 on, we've learned a great deal about you can't really trust um, the medical community. You can't trust the government from the standpoint of nobody's going to care about your health more than you. So ultimately, it's up to us to stay and remain healthy. And, you know, the, the two biggest things that I think any of us have learned is that if you have diet and exercise, the key components to your health, if you can get those right, then a lot of the other things are going to fall in line, mm-hmm. um, whether that's blood pressure or ADHD, for that mm-hmm. matter. Yeah, you know, I would imagine we're talking to Troy Duell, who's the uh, founder of Centurion Labs today here on The Bottom Line, talking about managing ADHD naturally. Uh, we talk about diet and exercise that just kind of throw them all together. And people think, yeah, I, I get that. But it seems like people fall into one of two categories. Either category number one is I'm vigilant about this. I'm counting calories and macros and, you know, uh, the sodium intake and the whole shot. And then I have an exercise regimen that I strictly follow. Or the second category, which I'm sure probably saw a lot more people falling into it during the COVID pandemic, which is I'm hungry. Let's just eat something. Are we going to work out today? Well, do I have to? I don't have to leave the house. You know, I mean, that kind of lack of structure. And I would imagine, I mean, I I don't want to make it sound like everybody's in one of those two gutters. But Troy, has it been your experience that that's kind of where people camp out? It it really is. It seems that uh, it's one extreme or or the other. And and to your point, during COVID, they were not only did they not get to work out, but they really weren't allowed to because they shut down health clubs. So that made it more difficult in a lot of places to actually go work out. So how do you then work it into your day-to-day life and make sure you're being as healthy as possible? And I I think there's some easy things that you can do to help with that. If you go out to eat at lunch, try to get water instead of some soda uh, drink Mm -hmm. or Coke. Mm -hmm. 
Um, try to get a side salad instead of fries. And if you do those little things over time, they will add up. The same thing goes with exercise. If you have an opportunity to park, to go into a restaurant or somewhere else, as long as it's safe and well lit, don't take the closest parking spot to right. where you're going as long as you have time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there are stairs available and you have the choice between stairs and the elevator, take the stairs. Those little things will add up over time and really help build your health. And it doesn't have to be a huge, uh, I guess, put together program or machine to to get the help that you want. But just take those baby steps. They, the old adage of eating an elephant uh, one bite at a time is very true when it comes yeah. to health and diet. Just yeah. figure out those things that you can pick off along the way. Yeah, I figured I figured that's a good analogy, and it's amazing, just little things like steps. I mean, my wife Lisa and I found uh, both working from home a lot during the pandemic that we weren't out as active as we, we were, and so we put step counters on our phones, and we started counting how many steps we put in during the course of a day, and when you are used to doing eight to 10,000 steps just in your regular routine, and there were some days where we barely got to 1,000, we kind of looked at each other and said, well, that's where, we, you know, the... the where the, where the six pack becomes a snack pack right around the middle of your section that can really mess up your physical health. But then when you talk about ADHD, I mean, that's, that's a huge component. Talking to Troy Duell, who's the uh, founder of Centurion Labs today here on The Bottom Line, talking about managing ADHD naturally. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Here's Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services with a reminder that your investments do more than just make money. They actually change lives. This Christmas, we gave our family the gift of life. So I thought, let's do the same for our Wilson Financial clients. A way of saying thank you for being in partnership with us in the ministry. What we're going to do to honor our clients is we're going to fund 100 ultrasounds per month, each month for the next 12 months through preborn. Also, each quarter, we're going to buy an ultrasound machine. And at the end of the year, those machines will be saving an average of 1,600 children per year. We do this to honor and inform our clients of this great ministry and to say thank you for being our clients and being our friends. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Troy Duell is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's the co-founder of Centurion Labs, and we're talking about uh, a, a natural way to manage uh, ADHD I almost said PTSD, but maybe for some people they're kind of one and the same. <laughs> the power of faith and simple lifestyle changes for improved focus and well-being is our theme today here on the Bottom Line Show. We talked about diet and exercise. Let's also talk, uh, Troy, about one of the things that you are a big advocate of, and that's that there are preservatives in our food, there are dyes in different products that we use, clothing and this, that, and the other thing. And oftentimes we don't really give it a second thought, but those things do play a role in if you're a person who's kind of wrestling with ADHD, the way you manage those can actually help you manage your ADHD as well. Talk about that. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting. I think if you go back to a diet that is more organic or clean, meaning you're getting fruits and vegetables and you're not getting the processed foods, then you're going to be that much better off because there's a list of dyes, artificial dyes that we know have adverse effects, especially if you have ADHD. So blue food coloring, number one and two, green, number three, orange, B, red, number three and 40, yellow, number five and six. And interestingly, this week in the state of California, 
actually banned red number three, which is in about 12,000 plus different foods that you get from the store off the shelf. So processed foods from anywhere from cookies to snack crackers to uh, even some cereals, you have that in. So you never know what it's in. And like you said, it's so easy to walk down the aisle, put it in your cart and head home because it's an easy thing to do. All yeah. these processed foods that are prepackaged make a big difference. And most of them are going to contain one of those food colorings or dyes that could have some adverse effects on you from an ADHD standpoint. Well, you've really put a lot of thought into this, Troy, and I'm curious about your background. I mean, how Centurion Labs, of course, you're the founder, and we've got a link for that uh, uh, information up at thebottomlineshow.com, but why, why is this so personal for you? Well, first, I've always had an interest in health. I believe uh, that God has designed our bodies very, very uniquely and I think that we can add to that by just having optimal health. So that's probably my driving focus and it always has been. But then I have a son who they wanted to put on ADHD meds and mm. really got me going down the path of looking at different things that could affect it. And that's kind of what has been the catalyst all along from, well, for the last seven, eight years for, mm -hmm. for me personally is finding some things that he could do that would not have a, a, a long-lasting effect. Because we know that with these uh, amphetamine-based drugs that they use for ADHD, that if you look at long-term studies, it, amphetamines work well whether you have ADHD or not on focus for about six months. Mm. And they followed these kids, and after three years – of taking this medication, they saw that the ADHD either worsened uh, or went back to baseline uh, when they were taking it, which means they had to take more of those medications. So I believe that there are outside things that are influencing the ADHD even more so than um, just taking a medication. And, you know, there's a, a doctor, I think it's Dr. Allen. He was uh, part of the one out of Duke who actually put together what's called the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual, which is the what they call the Bible for um, all mental disorders. And he really believes that it's way overdiagnosed and mm. uh, at this point is not even considered to be a disease anymore because it shouldn't have it shouldn't affect more than three percent of the population in order to be considered a psychiatric disorder. Mm -hmm. And we now have studies that show about 20 to 30 percent of the population is being diagnosed with ADHD. And it becomes wow. a real issue if we're putting mm -hmm. that many people on amphetamines. Yeah. Boy, that's, isn't that the truth? Troy Duell is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's the founder of Centurion Labs, and we're talking about managing ADHD naturally. And we've got a link for his lab company up at thebottomlineshow.com. We mentioned in the outset, uh, Troy, that there's a faith component that goes along with this, too. And, and I know you stress the importance of keeping a daily routine and just staying organized. Talk about how the two of those work together in terms of, uh, you know, some of the lifestyle changes that people who are dealing with ADHD can, 
kind of used and, and put into place so they don't wind up finding themselves on the receiving end of a, you know, well, here's your prescription. You know, let's let's try another pill that's going to try to manage this thing when you're saying naturally there are some ways that you can actually through the right kind of supplements and through a routine change. Absolutely. And I think it, it not only goes to finding ways to control it, but it's also understanding that those individuals who have ADHD were designed in many ways to have this thought process. If you follow people with ADHD, they have a different skill set typically than a lot of those who do not. And they can think quicker on their feet a lot of times. They can work with their hands more often. And what we found, if you look at all the numbers of uh, patients diagnosed, especially for kids, it's usually boys. And it comes within the construct of being in school for eight hours a day, six hours a day. And boys just naturally are going to be uh, more out of their seat. They're going to have more energy. They're looking for ways to get that energy out of their system. And we've designed a school uh, scenario where it's really not meant for boys. And it, it causes the teachers to then get on them because they're not able to to uh, control their emotions or to control their uh, outburst or whatever it may be, when maybe it's just these kids need more time outside, they need more exercise, and they need to be really uh, seeing it as an opportunity in a way that they were designed as opposed to a detriment. Because truth be known, if you struggle in school because you have ADHD, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to struggle in life, but I think we've done a really bad job as a culture of stigmatizing these people with ADHD and not recognizing the value that they can bring in the different areas that they have. Instead, we've tried to force everybody into a box of you've got to do this or you have mm -hmm. to do that in order to be successful. And we know that God has created so many different uh, personalities and different types, and that there is value with all those, and we just have to do a better job of recognizing those talents and abilities and letting them go out and maybe fail and come up with ways that they can work within culture and society right. that uh, they're successful with. Hmm. Boy, that is good counsel from Troy Duell today here on The Bottom Line. He's the founder of Centurion Labs. And Dot com is the website. We've got it linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we're talking about managing ADHD naturally, the power of faith and simple lifestyle changes for improved focus and well-being. Those links are up at thebottomlineshow.com. Troy, there's a, most of us are familiar with the concept of something called white noise and how that's kind of a mm. distraction of sorts. It's kind of soothing. You talk about something called brown noise. T t tell us, first of all, what is that? And then how does it help us increase focus? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Brown noise is just a little different frequency than white noise. But what they've found in a few studies when they followed people who have had brown noise on while they're doing some sort of task, whether it's homework or uh, work from uh, employment, that those people who have brown noise on are able to focus more on their work and push aside the distractions that are going on. And there are different theories behind it. They don't know if it affects the brain waves that are uh, that we have at the time that we're doing the task, and it just kind of aligns those things, or 
if it's just the fact that the noise is at a certain frequency and it, it affects what we're hearing and we don't hear those distractions. But those studies have shown that if you have brown noise playing, there's a greater likelihood that you'll be able to get the things done that are in front of you than if you have white noise or anything else going on, if you have ADHD in particular. Yeah. Well, that, that, that is good to know. And I know that the, we've talked about different ways that people can manage this, you know, whether it be keeping a daily routine, diet and exercise, staying away from certain things that are everywhere, like dyes and preservatives and things of that nature. Talk for just a moment, Troy, in our final moments here about some of the, uh, the supplements that people can be taking, can be using to help manage this too. Because when we talk about making changes in your diet, there are some things that you can add because I think, unfortunately, most of us know that uh, the, the food that's being, it's not just the portion sizes that came out smaller after the pandemic. There's a lot less nutrition in the food that we're purchasing now than there was, say, 40, 50 years ago, isn't there? Very true. And I think it goes back to that processed food piece. I, I was uh, talking the other day, you know, we didn't have soft, uh, soft chew cookies until the, the middle of mid 80s or uh, early 90s. That was a novelty when it came out. Now those things are everywhere where you can the, the cookies we used to have were really hard, the chip mm-hmm. boy things. But now you've got all kinds of different flavors, different packages. And we've almost reverted from a country that uh, was built on fruits and vegetables and fresh meats and other things to things that are easier to put in a microwave or they're pre-made. And all those things, to your point, are not as nutritious as going back the other way. But there are certain things, like you said, that will help um, increase health for individuals. And those pieces would be saffron, which we already talked about a little bit earlier, but it's a, an additive that they found or an ingredient that they found in India that went head-to-head with methylphenidate. Uh, some phospholipids, two in particular, uh, phosphatidylserine and phosphatidylcholine, both of those ingredients are the fats that our body needs and are brain-ready that if you take those, they're broken down from uh, omega DHA fat, and it will help your brain work a lot quicker. And it's what we need to help with attention and memory and learning in and of itself. And I mentioned some of the B vitamins. Folate is a big piece, and I'm not talking folic acid. So there's a big difference between uh, methylfolate and folic acid. Methylfolate is what's found in nature. Folic acid is a synthetic vitamin that is basically fortified in all of our foods. In 1996, the government said every bread, uh, every cookie, anything that has flour needed to be fortified with folic acid. Hmm. And there have been some consequences from that as well, where they've seen increased uh, rates of cancer. They've seen uh, increased rates of allergies and allergens. So Uh, Lots of kids these days have food allergens. There's some link to that folic acid as well, but it also has links to ADHD. And we know that if you have the proper form of folate, that those with ADHD or attention issues, oftentimes it subsides if you're taking the right food. Uh, There are studies that show vitamin D levels. If you don't have sufficient vitamin D levels, then kids and adolescents were more likely to have ADHD. And obviously vitamin D is one of those that you can get from being outside, but you can also supplement 
as well with some supplementation. Zinc is another one mm-hmm. that we know has some great effects on our bodies, and it's especially ADHD. And one of those things or one of the places that we get zinc is from meat that we eat. And we know that uh, meat is one of those things that's gone out of style of late, especially red meat. So be sure to uh, be getting meats and proteins through your meat eating and try not to cut that out of your diet because that has had some links to ADHD as well. So those are some of the quick ones that you could run down and get, get moving with. Well, those are very helpful, and I want to make sure that our listeners know, too, that centurionlabs.com is also linked up at the bottom, mindshow.com, and there are a variety of products that are available there as well. I know you have a special offer for our bottom line listeners today. Yeah, so any of your listeners who go out and they see something that they like or need or wanted to try, we'd be happy to give uh, 50% off the first bottle that they buy if they use code RADIO on uh, the website when they have the coupon at checkout. Well, that is my favorite word. Well, two favorite words, radio and discount. So uh, thank you for putting those two together for our bottom line show, listeners, Troy Duel. Centurionlabs.com is uh, where you'll find information on uh, some of these resources that are available to help you find uh, literally a healthy spiritual way and physical way to naturally manage your ADHD, the power of faith and simple lifestyle changes for improved focus and well-being. Uh, centurionlabs.com is up at the show.com. Troy, thanks for the time today. It was great to get to know you and to learn more about your work and also what ADHD is and how it can be treated. Thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, Roger. I appreciate it. Well, what a great uh, conversation today here on The Bottom Line. Troy, very grateful for what you're doing with Centurion Labs. We've got that link up at thebottomlineshow.com for centurionlabs.com. And uh, Troy's generous offer with the discount, you can just type in that uh, discount code, just type in radio, and you get the savings on whatever is there. But, you know, the idea that we've been talking about for the past 90 minutes, the good news as we start off the new year. We are uh, created in the image of God, and God has given us these bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. As a believer in Christ, when you have uh, received the gift of salvation because you received the gift of faith and you acted upon the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you now belong to the Lord. And so the decisions that you make about your body have more to do with what God wants than not. And trust me, I know I've been through a season for the past couple of years here where after being Mr. Diet and Exercise Guy, the COVID lockdowns happened, I spent more time at home and And Lisa and I put on some extra pounds that we probably don't need to have. And it just got to the point where I thought, why? What's, I mean, so what? Getting older, my heart's bad. You know, I I get it. And slowly but surely, God's been bringing us out of that. And and I love that feeling. It's, It's very liberating. It's very wonderful to be able to say, look, because of faith, because of prayer, because of a few lifestyle changes, I can improve my focus and my well-being. And people who have been diagnosed with ADHD and are getting medication for it are saying, hey, wait, I don't need that anymore. You heard earlier about the cancer diagnoses and the, this new concept of active surveillance. In other words, let's watch and see what happens. And how the medical community for years has just said, oh, you have cancer, radiation and chemo, and surgery. Now, I'm not suggesting you shouldn't get surgery. A dear, actually, one of my in-laws, actually, had breast cancer about 10 years ago. She had a, a lumpectomy. They wound up removing a portion of the breast. She didn't have to have radiation and chemo. She just changed her diet, took some kind of over-the-counter medication, and she's doing great. The name of the game, though, is remember, when you're looking for healing for this body that God has given you, 
Go straight to the source, first and foremost. Go back to the manufacturer, if you will. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Literally employ your brothers and sisters in church to lay hands on you, to anoint with oil, and to make some changes. Check your diet and exercise. Check, check out uh, Kaylee's book, Dr. Kaylee's Zapana's book on gut health. It's at drdigestionphd.com. Go to the shop session. You'll see her uh, her ebook there to make some lifestyle changes as far as what you eat or Troy Duell and everybody at uh, Centurion Labs. The name of the game is there are some things you could do actively to you and God deal with something, whether it's cancer, Parkinson's disease, whatever. There's sin in the world, which means there's disease, but Jesus said, I've overcome the world, and he can heal you from the sin of disease that's impacting your body as well. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.